Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Billboard's Senior Director of Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Keith? I'm okay. I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I expect I there to be more banter. Right. I, okay, I, I, well, uh, we were banter. just talking about... I'll, I'll banter. Uh, my son, who's going to turn four this week, watched Star Wars for the first time last night. Or almost. He still has to finish it tonight. So that's pretty crazy, huh? Was he wowed by the music of Star Wars? I love the music of Star Wars. It's crazy how iconic that music is. Like, it's like, oh, that's where that's from. I, I wasn't a big Star Wars person when I was growing up, so I only have seen it one time as an adult. So I'm kind of rewatching it nearly for the first time with him. <laughs> Just once as an adult? Yeah, I watched all three of the first ones in one sitting as an adult, and that's the end. That's the end of that list. Was that in like was that in preparation for like the Phantom Menace or something? No, it was in uh, it was a rainy day and Dan forced me to because I had never watched them. My husband, I should say. I was gonna like dance the husband. <laughs> wow. Well, I also go. found I also found out you wanna tell us about the other thing, about the Marvel thing, or do you feel embarrassed about it? I mean I've only seen one Marvel movie too, which is the the first Iron Man with Robert Downey. Who Donnie is this Jr. lady? Who is That's this it. lady? Unless Come they on. count, do they count the Andrew Garfield's um, Spider-Man? Because I saw one of those. <laughs> I don't know if they do. I don't know. Uh, hey, well, we can move on. Yes, we can. <laughs> but, but thank you for that banter. I'll work on that. <laughs> um, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, occasionally Marvel and superhero movies, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how 19-year-old Billie Eilish debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart with her new release, Happier Than Ever, while two more teens, The Kid Leroy and Olivia Rodrigo, sit at numbers two and three with their latest albums. How unusual is it for three teenagers to sit at numbers one, two, and three on the chart? Why, well, we'll tell you in just a moment. <laughs> Plus, Prince's new album, Welcome to America, scores The Late Legend, his highest charting new album in over a decade. And there's a new number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart as The Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber's Stay moves to the top of the tally. Also on the show, we've got news about The weekend's latest single, Take My Breath, new music coming from Lizzo, and a very special guest this week, and some unexpected drama surrounding the 2014 hit song Bang Bang from Jessie J, Nicki Minaj, and Ariana Grande, so stick around for all of that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com podcasts. Yeah, this is the place if you were looking for some random seven-year anniversary bang-bang chatter. I, I got you covered on your seven-year-old drama. Heated up and, and ready to go. But to be clear, <laughs> it's not really drama, but we'll get there in a second. Um, all right, so first up, and I'm, I'm going in deep on this, um, Billie Eilish earns her second number one album on the Billboard 200 chart as her latest release, Happier Than Ever, debuts atop the list with 238,000 equivalent album units earned in the U.S. in the week ending August 5th, of course, according to MRC data. Happier launches with the fifth largest week of 2021 by equivalent album units earned. The year's biggest week continues to belong to Olivia Rodrigo's Sour, 
which charged in at number one on the June 5th chart with 295,000 units in its first week. Happier is, of course, Eilish's first studio effort since 2019's hugely popular When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go?, which launched at number one on the April 13th, 2019 data chart and spent a total of three non-consecutive weeks at number one. It also went on to win the Grammy Award for Album of the Year. It also won the Billboard Music Award for Top Billboard 200 Album. It also was the year-end number one album on the Billboard 200 chart in 2019. Lots of random things that Keith is going to say very quickly. Um, Okay, so here's some interesting stuff. And folks listening to the show know how much I like talking about physical media, vinyl, cassette tapes, things like that. You know, kind of quasi-dead formats in this world of streaming that we live in. Or are they? Or are they? As Billie Eilish proves, not so much. Mm -hmm. So of Happier Than Ever's 238,000 units earned, Album sales actually comprise 153,000 of that, easily making it the top-selling album of the week as well. Uh, Streaming equivalent units comprise 84,000, and track equivalent album units comprise a little over 1,000. By the way, the 16 songs on the album collectively had 114 million on-demand streams during the album's first week. So, Happier's first week was supported by quite sturdy sales as that 153,000 sold marks the third biggest sales week of the year and the second largest debut sales week of the year. Only Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, there she is again, Mm -hmm. managed bigger sales weeks this year when her 2020 album Evermore was released on vinyl in May, causing a huge surge in total sales for that album which rose to 192,000 on the chart dated June 12th, and when Fearless, Taylor's version, was released and it sold 179,000 copies in its first week back in April. Just so, be like the Taylor exception. Every, yeah, it, you did great. Yeah. Every only Taylor. Except beat you. there's Taylor. Except <laughs> you know Taylor. It's kind of like when like people hit streaming records. You're like, yeah, but Drake. Yeah, exactly. You know. Um, so Happier was actually available in a great number of physical album formats. So if you love collecting physical music media and you're a Billie Eilish fan, man, were you in luck last week. Um, So Happier was on eight different colored vinyl LPs, uh, including exclusives for Amazon, independent record stores, Target, Urban Outfitters, and Walmart, 10 different variants on CD, including a signed CD for independent record stores, a version with alternative packaging that was hand-painted by Eilish. Hmm. (laughs) So, for those that are curious about what this thing was, she hand-painted, I guess using like a paintbrush, splatter-painted thousands of inserts, like little cardboard inserts that went into the packaging of the CD. So So each one of these is unique. Some PA set up... All of those inserts across yes. a large warehouse, warehouse. floor on a drop cloth. Yes. And, <laughs> and Billy, Billy came in came and threw in. some paint around. She came, which sounds like a very fun day. I hope they release video of her doing this at some point. I if would love to see If you were an artist, it. wouldn't you rather do this instead of signing a uh, bunch of CDs? 100%. And it would be more fun, I think, to receive as a fan as well. Like, ooh, like what color splatters did I get and compare it with my friends? I think it was all just white paint. Oh, actually. see, next time do a few different colors. That's my yes. suggestion. Can, there you go. Imagine even further variants. The Indeed. pink splatter, the white splatter, the green splatter. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, <laughs> and um, 
There were three premium CD box sets that she sold on her website for a whole bunch of money. There was a Target exclusive version of the CD that had a poster inside. And there were even multiple cassette tape variants, including one that was a cassette tape box set. Wow. Because, sure. Um, so all those different configurations obviously added up. Of that 153,000, there were 129,000 on physical albums, 73,000 on vinyl, 46,000 on CD, and nearly 10,000 cassettes. 10,000 cassettes. Cassettes, people. Yeah. Um, and also 24,000 on digital download. Like, still, there were 24,000 digital albums that were sold for this album. And also, that 73,000 sales number for her vinyl album, that number is so large, the album would have been number one on the Billboard 200 this week just from vinyl album sales. That's a good perspective. That really puts it in perspective. That's wild. Yeah. Um, because the number two album this week, the Kid Leroy's F Love, earned 65,000 units this week. Um, so, by the way, Happier's vinyl sales start of 73,000 actually marks both the second largest week and debut week for a vinyl album since MRC Data began tracking sales in 1991. The only larger week for a vinyl album since 1991 was? was registered by hey taylor swift hey the taylor exception there it the is. taylor exception when evermore <laughs> was released on vinyl earlier this year and it sold 102,000 <laughs> copies in its first week um so i know i realize that the, that's a lot i went in deep but it's just super fascinating to see like someone as young as billy eilish sell so well on physical media mm-hmm. when we live in such a streaming world right now mm-hmm. yes. um speaking of all that As we noted earlier, Eilish is 19 years old. She replaces another teenager at number one on the Billboard 200 as Happier bumps F Love by the 17-year-old The Kid Leroy down to number two after one week on top. The top three of the Billboard 200 albums chart is actually ruled by teenagers as 18-year-old Olivia Rodrigo is number three with her former number one, Sour, and it falls two to three in its 11th week on the list. That is very, very cool. Quiz yes. Katie time. Yes, Keith. What? Oh, quit. Oh, we're quizzing. Quiz Katie time. Okay. Katie, when was the last time the top three albums on the Billboard 200 were all by teenagers? Oof. You want to know like a year or like the trio of artists or what? What do you want here? I don't know. I don't know anything when, you want to okay. give me here. When we were talking about it earlier, I thought I wonder if this might have happened in the late '90s because of Christina and Britney being around when they were in their teens. But I wasn't sure if they, you know, had albums in the top three at the same time and who that third artist would be. Mandy Moore. I don't know. No. You know. No. no. So not that time. And then uh, I feel like another big time for teenagers was like early days. Like when I when we hear about like Brenda Lee, you know, and Rock Around the Christmas Tree being like <laughs> super young teenagers. So then I think of like the 50s or the 60s. So I, I don't know. Right. You tell me. So I'm going to put a huge caveat on this. Okay. I spent most of my day. <laughs> this is Keith. Keith has lived in this. For for hours. <laughs> Looking at the top three on the Billboard 200, going back every week to March of 1956, when the chart became a regular weekly chart. Now, we had album charts before March of 1956, but in March of 1956 is when we actually started publishing this chart on a regular weekly basis. <sighs> 
<laughs> I cannot find another time where there were three teenagers at numbers one, two, and three. Okay, it does. It didn't happen. I found um, Paul Grine, who was our awards. What is Paul's title? Exactly? Awards, awards editor. editor. Awards editor. I pointed this out to him yesterday, and I said, "Hey, do you recall anything?" And he's like, "Ooh, I wrote this in the past, and noted how in at, there was some point in the past where I think." David Archuleta debuted at number two, and he was behind someone who was a teenager at number one, but number three was not a teenager. Mm. And that week, Paul wrote about how uh, that was the first time teenagers were at numbers one and two since January of 1999. Ah, so was that Christina and Brittany then? It was Brittany and two members of NSYNC. Okay. A little bit. That's a caveat in and of itself. Right, because I'm like, <laughs> you don't count groups. And yeah. so basically... I got to a point in 2008 when I was like, okay, I think I found a week because I was when Archie, Archuleta, debuted at number two. I'm like, oh, wait, that's when Paul wrote about it. And in that week, Paul wrote, said, oh, he was. this was the first time it happened since January of 1999. I'm like, all right, well, let me skip backwards to January of 1999 and work backwards. So I checked the weeks where Debbie Gibson was in the top three, Bobby Brown was in the top three, Tiffany. Tiffany. No, there would always be someone that screwed it up. I mean, there was a week where um, Debbie Gibson, Bobby Brown, and then Tone Loke. But Tone Loke was like 20-something. Yeah. So <laughs> now, could I have missed something? Absolutely. Sure. You'll, well, I'm sure Twitter will tell you. Twitter will tell me. <laughs> but it appears that this is the first time that three albums, at numbers one, two, and three, were by artists who were all teenagers. I'm also, as a note, backing out soundtracks, cast recordings, Glee albums, mm. things by multiple people, because who are you going to credit that to? Yeah. You know, like yeah. Dirty Dancing. Who am I crediting that to? Also, none of them were teenagers, but you get the point. You get the idea. <laughs> um, okay. Want to move on? Yes, but I'm ex- I, love, I love a stat like that. I do, too. Only when I'm right, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> Until this so whole I, thing falls apart. <laughs> completely look forward to every single chart fan on the Internet saying you're full of crap. Um, all right. Well, next on the Billboard 200, Prince's archival studio album, Welcome to America, debuts at number four, marking his 20th top 10 for the legend and his highest charting new release since 2009. Of course, Prince passed away in 2016. Recorded in 2010, but not released until July 30th of this year, Welcome starts with 55,000 equivalent album units earned. Uh, Welcome to America is the late legend's highest charting new album and highest debut on the chart since 2009's Lotus Flower, Minneapolis Sound, Elixir. It was a triple album with three different titles. Uh, With Bria Valente, by the way, this was a co-credited project, Mm -hmm. debuted and peaked at number two on the April 18th, 2009 dated chart. Lastly, big news on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart as the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber's Stay rises to number one from number four a week ago in its fourth week on the chart. The duet marks the Kid Leroy's first leader on the list and Bieber's eighth. Meanwhile, the Kid Leroy becomes the first Australian-born solo male to top the Hot 100 since Rick Springfield with Jesse's Girl just over 40 years ago. Conveniently enough, we did a chart stat of the week about Jesse's Girl a few weeks ago. I was just thinking we had an episode about the Kid Leroy. We had a, a Rick Springfield uh, chart stat. It's just like very prescient. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, with Bieber's eighth number one, he now ties Drake for the record for the most number ones among Canadians. Indeed. 
truly an international number one this week. Yeah. Stay drew 31.9 million radio airplay audience impressions, which was up 16%, and 30.9 million U.S. streams, up 1%, and sold just over 14,000 downloads, up 70% in the week ending August 5th, according to MRC Data. The track rebounds 2 to 1 for a third week atop the streaming songs chart, jumps 9 to 5 on the digital song sales chart, and pushes 25 to 19 on the radio songs chart. Last week's number one, BTS's Butter, slides down to number four after nine non-consecutive weeks on top. Now it's time to take a look at some headlines over on Billboard.com. First up, The Weeknd released the new single, Take My Breath. And just like Blinding Lights before it, the pop star is taking a page from the past with the disco production. So let's take a little listen. Take my Well, the new song, which is part of The Weeknd's new era that he has been calling The Dawn. I think he actually first used that language at uh, the Billboard Music Awards when he said, The Dawn is coming. Welcome uh, to The Dawn. <laughs> Prince would ha- Prince would like to have a word with yeah. The Weeknd, by the way. Uh, the new song arrived alongside a music video, um, which was actually originally set to play in IMAX theaters over the weekend ahead of the new movie The Suicide Squad. But apparently its strobing lights kept it from being played in theaters. There was a, okay. an epilepsy warning, and they couldn't they couldn't show it there. Um, By the way, we're gonna take your breath away, literally. Yeah, literally. Um, you know the video is wild, and it, it sort of made me think of Have you ever seen Blue Velvet? And maybe think of Dennis Hopper's character. I the, haven't, but I've seen still photos from it. I'm like, it's like a oxygen he like mask inhales. Or he like inhales some like. Dennis Hopper some inhales some sort of high. gas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In the in the movie. And so when the minute the the weekend, you know, takes that to his face, I'm like, oh God, it's gonna become like crazy Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet. I was concerned for the character the weekend was playing in the video, Katie. <laughs> but he doesn't have a red jacket anymore. <laughs> oh, so now it's a different character. It's the Dawn. It's a new character. Is he called the Dawn? I don't know. Is the album the Dawn? Or is the album The Dawn is coming? We don't know yet. Well, I mean, the last album was After Hours, so maybe this is, like, After Sunrise. Is it going to be, like, the Before Sunrise and Sunset movie series? <laughs> maybe Ethan Hawke is on this album. Right. Julie okay, Delpy. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> moving on, moving First on. First time we've mentioned Julie Delpy on the Bob Shop. Um, you know, before the song was released, people were wondering, speaking of movies, whether it might nod to Berlin's Take My Breath Away from Top Gun. Um, but it just kind of almost shares the title and shares that same exact phrase in the chorus. No cover or sample or interpolation here. Um, just kind of referential. You know, I feel like it's definitely, it, it's not in a vacuum. It, it exists in the universe where Take My Breath Away exists as well. Yeah, I see. I like the reference vacuum, Take My Breath. Ah, there you go. Air. Yeah. Completely unintentional. Um, Keith, do we have any idea yet? I know it's early. Um, how this song could fare on the the Billboard Hot 100 next week? I sure don't. <laughs> I, I honestly don't. I don't. Gary I, Gary did tell us earlier he expects it to be a big debut, but couldn't say you know whether it's, it's the weekend. Be. I yeah. mean, come on. It's yeah. it's yeah, it's a brand new song from the weekend. So I'm sure I'm sh- if it's not a number one contender in its first week, uh, it'll probably be a contender a few weeks after that because this thing is probably going to be wall to wall on radio and streamers yeah. for who knows how long. Yeah, and, uh, you know, The weekend and uh, just tied the record with Blinding Lights for most weeks on the Hot 100. It ties um, Imagine Dragons Radioactive at 87 weeks. So in addition to the potential 
big debut for Take My Breath next week, he also could potentially break that record uh, with 88 weeks on the Hot 100. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crazy. It's a long time. Uh, all right. So next up, we have some new Lizzo on the way. She had a big surprise for fans on Monday when she announced that the special guest joining her on her upcoming single, Rumors, is Cardi B. She announced the news by surprise FaceTime calling the WAP rapper and seemingly waking her up. I don't know if you Quote watched unquote this. surprise. No, I'm legitimately. Sure it's a total surprise. Legitimately. So the way she did it, I don't know if you watched the little video, but the way she did it was she changed Cardi's name in her phone to rumors featuring dot dot dot. <laughs> okay. So she was like, well, the FaceTime's waiting. And then when Cardi picks up, she's like in repose. She's like, <laughs> she's lying on her side. Like the, the uh, phone is like the wrong, you know, orientation. And she's just like lying there. And she's like, why are you calling me? It's 9 a.m. Like she legitimately feels like, why are you calling me right now? But maybe Incredible I'm, actresses I'm naive. I'm naive. Um, uh, so anyway, last week Lizzo announced that her first new single in two years uh, would be coming out. And now we know that it's rumors and it will be out on Friday, August 13th. Um, it's been more. Do than we think two it's years. a cover of Lindsay Lohan's rumors? <laughs> or there's no you in it, so it's not Fleetwood Mac related. We know Time, that. Timex Social Clubs rumors. <laughs> maybe we yeah, should maybe just <laughs> take bets every week of whether something is a remake <laughs> or not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's been more than two years since Lizzo released her breakthrough album "Cause I Love You," which included her first and only Hot 100 number one so far in uh, "Truth Hurts." Uh, finally, this is what you've all been waiting for. Uh, there's some drama emerging just this week about a song that was released seven years ago. Um, Jesse J is apologizing to Nicki Minaj for apparently mischaracterizing how Nicki ended up on their hit song, Bang Bang, which also featured Ariana Grande and peaked at number three on the Hot 100 back in 2014. So Keith, let me take you through this. It turns out that Jesse J and Nicki Minaj remember the beginnings of this single a little bit differently. Uh, and Minaj decided to call out Jesse J's version of the story. And so basically... I would expect a, nothing less. In a new interview with Glamour, Jesse J said, Nikki w- was played the song in the studio and was like, I've got to jump on this. We didn't go to her and ask. She wanted to do it. But according to Minaj, who responded to Jesse J's quotes with her own correction, she didn't hear the song and asked to get on it. The late this is quote unquote. The label asked me to get on it and paid me. Well, d- we knew you were paid. We knew you didn't volunteer your time, Nikki. <laughs> uh, by the way, Minaj has since deleted this series of tweets that Jesse J is even apologizing for. Um, she said, "How would I have heard the song?" Child, what am I, the damn song monitor snooping around for songs? This was said by another artist recently as well. Y'all gotta stop. Love you. So at least she ends I, with a love you. I mean, I mean, I think of I think of Nikki. She's like lurking around like <laughs> label Little offices. Studios. She's got her ear up to the door, listening to like executives and what they're playing. Ooh, what, I gotta get on that track. There, Ryan Tedder, what's going on inside that studio? I want to get on that track. Uh, so on Friday, uh, Jesse apologized to Minaj over the confusion, uh, and she wrote a very long post. So we are not going to read it verbatim for you here on the podcast, but go ahead and visit Billboard.com or Jesse J's Instagram to see the full thing. She said, I'm sorry I got the story wrong all these years. I was told you heard the song and wanted to be on it by someone clearly gassing me up at the label. Bless them and my naive ass. Thank you for clarifying. I was wrong on that. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This song is more than seven years old because obviously it was recorded before 
that came out, duh. Right. And clearly it was a song when you bring together Ariana Grande, Jesse J, and Nicki Minaj. There's going to be a lot of machinations to get a song like this together when you have multiple people people on a track. The thing I can't figure out is, did you all not figure out your story on how the song, quote unquote, came together seven years ago? Like, Jesse, why would you say that? Unless for all we you... know, Jesse's been telling that story for seven but, years. <laughs> but at, at, at some point when you first met Nicki Minaj in whatever year it was, mm-hmm. did you say, hey, thanks, girl, for getting on that track because apparently you love it so much and wanted to just get on it? And Nicki would have been like, no, I didn't. I just wanted Someone to paid get me. paid, right? <laughs> I don't know who you are. This oh. seemed like a good business opportunity. Oh, I mean, gosh. it just seems so weird no, that well, like... It, the whole thing is silly. The whole thing is silly because the whole thing is silly because it, it to me Jesse's original story doesn't offend Nikki in any way. Like it doesn't make you think less of Nikki. You don't think that like I I assume all major artists hear like big unreleased songs. I mean I assume every potential hit is played to Rihanna and Beyonce. You know what I mean? I assume that like there is like an actual network of producers sharing massive potential hit songs with massive artists so it's not about lurking and <laughs> whatever but it also it also seems kind of shady though from what nikki is saying well, jesse that's was what, tra- nikki took it shady but i feel like jesse and my you know my brief 17 minute interview with her she seems like a lovely human i feel like i feel like nikki took it as like a diss when jesse just meant it like oh, how cool is this? She heard my song and wanted to get involved. Not like a charity project or something, but like just because it was a good song, which is a sweet thing. And she's like, no, it wasn't that good. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, I mean, well, I know what I'm saying is like what Nikki said sounds shady. Yes. Yeah, 100%. It sounds it sounds like, oh, actually, no, I didn't like that song. Someone right. paid me to get on it. I'm like, right. Well, God, don't diss the song that was a huge hit that the three of you made incredible. I mean, I mean what we can all agree on as an objective fact is that is a smash hit song and will remain so till the end of time. I frequently go back and watch that performance of them on the VMAs. That she references that, that in the in the um, Instagram caption. So just go read Jesse's whole Instagram caption as well. That VMA opening where it was Ariana, then Nikki, then Jesse, and then they all come together and do bang bang. I mean, come on! Yeah, no, it's an incredible. It's an incredible. Nikki's half missing outfit. She had I mean, a wardrobe malfunction, but she recovered. But, I mean, that is just, like, a moment. Yeah. Moment for life. Ah, I think that's where we should uh, end. <laughs> um, all right, well, do you want to do a chart style of the week, though? I think we should. This one is for the boys with the booming system. Top town AC with the coolest system. When he come up in the club, he be blazing up. Got stacks on deck like he's saving up. Okay. Ten years ago this week, Nicki Minaj's super bass hit number three on the Billboard oh, Hot Nikki. 100. Hey, Nicki. Uh, it's peak. Becoming, at the time, the highest-charting Hot 100 rap hit by a solo female artist unaccompanied by anyone else since Missy Elliott's Work It reached number two in 2002. There would later be number ones by female rappers without anyone with them. Okay. You know, like Cardi B, obviously, sure. would, you know. And there were number ones before this, like Lauren Hill with Doop That Thing. Yes. But at the time... It was a very big deal that Nicki Minaj got to number three with Super Bass. Weirdly enough, Nicki 
did not get to number one until last year when she got to number one twice. (laughs) Once with Doja Cat on a say-so when she jumped on the remix. And also when she worked together with 6ix9ine on Trolls. So there you have it. Just a brief stroll down Minaj memory lane when her super bass bounced to number three in 2011. Yes, I did. Somebody please tell them who the F I is. I am Nicki Minaj. I'm at them dudes up. Back coops up and chop the dudes up. We've reached the end of our big shoe, Katie. Do you have any parting words? Well, I just that chart stat and also the Bang Bang story make me think of the fact that like both Bang Bang and Super Bass feel like number one hits in my heart. But I obviously, as you said, know that Nikki didn't get to number one last till last year somehow, some way. Doesn't Anaconda. There's Anaconda, which I thought everyone that's one of those songs that you thought for sure would have been number one and it got to number two. Well, Do you know what blocked it from number one? Taylor Swift? With Shake It Off. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. That damn Taylor Swift again. <laughs> I remember that the the VMAs after that year when uh, Taylor and Nikki had a little awkward back and forth about uh, the fact that Anaconda didn't get enough love at the VMAs. Remember when the nominations uh, came out? Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was because of Taylor Swift's Shake It Off, which got a lot of love. So. Yeah. What are you going to no, do? Just shake it off. Just shake it off. <laughs> just shake it off, Nikki. They're both doing just fine. They're doing great. They're but doing on that great. note, we've heard so much great music. What should we possibly go out on? Um, uh, I don't know. What should we go out on? Maybe one of those teenagers who are in the top three this week. <laughs> how we haven't about, heard any Olivia Rodrigo yet. How about uh, Good For You by Olivia Rodrigo? Good for you. Bye. See you guys next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>